It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you listen, I hope you're doing all right. Yeah, I hope you're doing all right. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get a decent pizza and a great Italian meal. And especially for you uh, WGIG listeners in Brunswick, you're right up the street, man. Swing by Sal's. And uh, don't forget, if you're traveling on I-95, you can stop by Sal's, enjoy a great meal. And it's literally a 15-minute detour uh, off of I-95, whether you're going north or south. And uh, they got clean bathrooms there, too, so you know what I'm talking about. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Gawk Box. What is it? Well, it's something that can save you some money, and it can help us out. So what's better than a nice two-way street like that? Visit our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on the Gawk Box banner. It's right underneath the gigantic Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria Bannock banner that uh, Jeremy C. put up for Sal. So uh, you can uh, see that there. Uh, today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can pick up a copy right now while you're watching this show or listening to the show uh, by visiting uh, Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. That's barnesandnoble.com. Find out why we got a five-star rating across the board. And uh, if you're looking to get a signed copy, don't worry about it. Just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. Trust me, you won't miss where the book is. And uh, make sure you uh, tell us what you want inscribed on the book. Uh, I want to give a special shout-out to uh, uh, all of our viewers, uh, our somewhat new viewers on uh, Holyfield Television. Uh, we're glad to be part of uh, Holyfield TV's sports programming. And uh, if you're watching us on Holyfield TV, drop us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, our email address is Billy at Talkin Boxing. Let me spell it because there's no G in talking. It's T-A-L-K-I-N and then B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Holyfield TV uh, viewers, drop us an email. Just let us know that you're there. And uh, we'd love to communicate with you guys. And uh, also, you want to watch the show on your phone? Download our app. It's real easy. 
Just go to Fight TV. That's F-I-T-E. Go to fight.tv slash Billy C and download our app today. And uh, don't forget, you can catch all of the pay-per-views that you can't get on TV, especially here in the States, on Fight TV. And you can watch it right on our webpage. Uh, we got the uh, uh, video uh, embed, embedded right on the front page. We got the uh, player there for you. So you can get the uh, pay-per-views. And watch it uh, right on the front page of BillyCBoxing.com. So check that out as well. Um, now, coming up a little bit later, we're scheduled to have uh, WBC's president, Mauricio Suleiman, join us. Uh, so we're going to uh, try like uh, heck uh, to get him on. It is an international call, so uh, uh, we're uh, keeping our fingers crossed on that. He's scheduled to come on in about an hour. And we got a bunch of stuff to talk to him about. Uh, also, you know, the rematch, the much-anticipated rematch uh, between uh, Anthony Joshua and Vladimir Klitschko, um, it's on, the, it's on, the, uh, it's on the, the clock, so to speak. And uh, we're going to talk about that here in one second. But Foist joining me from beautiful St. Simons Island, where I'm going to be pretty soon because we're going to be doing uh, some stuff down there, uh, is uh, a New Jersey Boxing Hall of Famer. He's a Guinness Book of World Record holder, and he's a pretty good restaurant guy. Uh, he can make uh, some good food. And don't forget, he's the man. He's the myth. He's the legend in his own mind self. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, please welcome Sal. Senecola. Good morning, Sal. <laughs> Billy, good morning. How are you, my friend? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. Um, actually, I learned a valuable lesson. You know, the older you get, you, you know, they say you can't teach a, uh, uh, an old dog new tricks. Well, I think I learned a, a new trick yesterday, and it wasn't rolling over or, you know, giving somebody my paw or speaking. Well, I learned how to speak pretty well, but uh, I don't know about well, but I just speak a lot. But, but um I, I learned something, Sal. You know, uh, I, I love uh, Supersod, right? I love I love a good yeah. Supersod, right? Me too. Um, but yesterday I learned that if you eat too much Supersod <laughs> while you're eating pizza and you're drinking a couple of scotches, uh, you wake up in the morning with a with kind of a stomach ache, man. My stomach's like, yo, dude. You're a little too old for uh, super-sod pizza and scotch, my man. Uh, maybe you better start uh, taking some Geritol or something. Oh, I mean, wow. uh, man, it was, uh, I got like a volcano going on uh, in the old uh, gutster, you know. So I don't know if it was from the scotch, the pizza, the uh, super-sod, or, or the combination of both. Maybe it could have been the, the nine brownies I had for dessert. I, I don't know, Sal. What do you think? That was it. I think it was the brownies. I mean, to tell you the truth, the su now, you probably are, are uh, full of sodium right now, so you're probably uh, retaining water. Hey, hey, wait a minute. What do you mean I'm full of sodium? Hey, no, no, you're full of sodium, buddy. All right? What do you mean I'm full of sodium? What, what do you mean? You don't believe me? You're telling me, oh, you're full of sodium, man. Hey, well, I'll tell you what. You're full of sodium. How about that? Absolutely. Let me step on a scale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, sodium. Oh, I thought you. you I thought you said another S word with end in T. I, I don't know. I don't know. But hey, Sal. Yeah, uh, you know we've we've been talking about. I mean, what a great fight 
the Anthony Joshua uh, against uh, Vladimir Klitschko was. I mean, people are still talking to me about it. I mean, uh, you know, every time uh, uh, we start a conversation about boxing, that fight comes up, which is really good. It's good for the sport. Uh, it's good for the heavyweight division. It's good, you know, um, like Superstar. It's good, you know. It's good. Uh, but, uh, it's good. I like Morphodella. But, but, but the bottom line is that I guess uh, Vladimir Klitschko's uh, currently on vacay. Uh, he's uh, down in uh, Florida, actually, uh, vacationing wow, with his gorgeous me. wife and uh, their kids. Kid, I should say, little uh, little baby. And um, I guess he's he's contemplating whether he wants to exercise the rematch clause that was in the contract that he has a right to do. And uh, I guess he's got to have an answer um, within a couple of weeks by, by uh, no later than like, well, actually like a month from now. What's your thoughts on, on the rematch? I know we've talked a lot about it, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I mean... My think, my thinking is, you know, Joshua knocked him out. I, I mean, um, you know, he was going to review the the film of the fight and and see if he could do something different. Um, I, I don't know what, what. I mean, now that we've had plenty of time, and now Vladimir's, you know, he's got some time, and and it's really in his uh, the ball's in his court. What do you think, man? I mean, what's the pros and cons of a rematch? Me personally, I if I was Vlad. I would want the rematch, and I would go for it and exercise it as soon as possible, simply for the fact that, again, he was beating, beaten. And I'll tell you what, at the end of the eighth round, you and I had that fight dead even. And as you said, as I said, the next four rounds were going to tell the tale of who was going to win that fight. Vlad lost the ninth, he lost the tenth, and we know he never saw the end of the eleventh. And the bottom line is, you know it's hard to it's hard to sleep uh, sleep well at night when you know you got caught with some devastating punches and your 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 head was temporarily separated from your shoulders. So I think when the storm settles and your head's reacquainted with your neck, um, you could think a little bit like, "Wow, I let him catch me. He caught me. Uh, maybe if I slipped, maybe if I did this, maybe if I jumped on him when I had him hurt." So you get the doubts, you get the things that are going in your mind. Uh, how did this happen? Why did I let that happen? You know what? If I had another shot, maybe I could do this better. Or I could do this. I know what to expect now. So that's what's going through his mind now. I promise you. And, oh, yeah, there might be a big paycheck, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, there might be There might be another 25 million reasons why, right? You know, there's a lot of reasons. That might just be on the bottom of the list. No. I think, uh, I think he's had time to really re rethink this whole fight and to see it and to realize it and maybe to watch it a few times and when you do that you could see some vulnerabilities in your opponent you could see things that you missed you could see like we were saying the other night I mean I was saying the other night <laughs> you know many times Josh was, was was leaning in and that left was down low and all Vlad had to do was do a right lead over the top and, and he would have caught Joshua you know these are things you can't see when you're not caught up in the emotion, in the in the battle, in the heat of the in the heat of the battle, so you see these on tape, you see these videos, and you you anticipate. Wow, you know what? If I had another shot at that, I could I could capitalize on it. I could do this. So yeah, he's full of piss and vinegar right now. And the thing is this, he's thinking, you know what? Why did I do this? Why can't I do that differently? Let me make sure I look out for that. And he's gonna get in shape. He's gonna box. He's gonna want to try to exercise what he sees right now that he can 
captivate and capture capture and and beat uh, Anthony Joshua. That's what's going through his mind. Well, you know, and, you know, I say go for it. I don't, you know, let's 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 see what happens. You know, Mark Twain once said, uh, "Too bad uh, youth is wasted on the young," and I think that plays an important part uh, of this. And and what you're saying. I agree with uh, in terms of what's going through Vladimir's head right now, and, and and the thing is, is when you're a when you're a superstar athlete, not just boxing, right. you know, if you play uh, basketball or football or baseball, or whatever, and um, you know, you 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 rise up to the ranks, you you get better, you reach your peak, uh, maybe you win a championship, uh, uh, maybe you don't, and, and you you start to age a bit. And then you realize some things um, that you made uh, the wrong decisions on when you were younger, a younger version of you, but you had the athletic ability to carry you through. Um, and then when you get a, a little older, you, you realize where those you know, mistakes were or whatever, and you just want one more chance to you know, right the ship, to, to get back in, in that you know, championship circle, so to speak. And that's exactly what I think, and I agree with you, which going through Vladimir Klitschko's head right now. Um, the money, obviously, is a big thing. I, I don't think that he really needs the money. And, and to be honest with you, I think it's a huge risk fight for Anthony Joshua. I mean, it's not like he cruised uh, to a victory over Vladimir Klitschko. I mean, it was a knockout, knockout drag-out fight. I mean, both of these guys... Uh, uh, took a beating, you know, even in victory. I'm sure Anthony Joshua, uh, you know, uh, had some uh, time to uh, soak in a tub of ice, you know. But uh, um, I, I agree. I think that Vladimir Klitschko, uh, because he was such a great champion and because he's such a superstar athlete, that he's going to want another shot. I, I, I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to want it. I just wish that, that he took a, a fight in between uh, it might be financially rewarding to, to fight and beat someone uh, else before going right into Joshua because right now you're going to assume that Joshua is going to you know end up as the victor just like he did the first time. And if Vladimir Klitschko changes his game plan and goes back to the old Vlad, the boring, Bla the boring Vlad, the, the cautious... Uh, Jab, 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 hold, grab, uh, let go a right hand every now and then. He's not going to win that fight. He won't take a beating, but he's not going to win that fight. I think the, the the game plan that he did have, Sal, in the first fight was the perfect game plan. I, I would hope to see uh, him uh, come back and do do the exact same thing. And before you respond, I got to take a break. So, <laughs> so, I was going to say. I know. So it is that time. I, I, I know I was, you've been consciously looking at time. And the coffee. Now, I know you've been looking at the clock lately, you know, so uh, I I appreciate that. You know, I mean, we do have to uh, do that every now and then. Yeah, so uh, while you uh, contemplate your answer, and I don't want to hear one of these full of sodium answers either, you know, uh, I, want a, I want a real answer. So uh, anyway, anyway, listen, we're going to take a short break, uh, and uh, when we come back, uh, Sal's going to give us uh, his final thoughts on, on, the, uh, on the rematch. Uh, that we uh, keep talking about. So uh, we'll be back uh, in about, uh, I'd say, uh, two minutes. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. 
or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, we're glad we're with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't forget, if you're watching us on uh, the Holyfield Television Network, uh, drop us an email. We're curious to hear from you. The email address is Billy at Talkin Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G. Dot com. Don't forget, scheduled to come up uh, in a little bit, about uh, 40 minutes or so, is uh, WBC President uh, Mauricio Suleiman. Hopefully, we'll be able to get him. It's an international call, so we'll uh, see what happens with that. But uh, right now, we're stuck with, I mean, uh, right now, we're, we got uh, Sal uh, Rocky Senecola. And Sal, before we went to break, we were talking about the possibility of the uh, rematch and, and what might be going through Vladimir Klitschko's mind right now in his decision-making process. Uh, about whether he wants to exercise uh, that rematch clause or not. What's your uh, final thoughts on that? On that you're stuck with me? <laughs> hey, I don't want to hear your sodium right now, all right, buddy? Leave sodium. leave your effing sodium out of this, all right? But uh, anyway. All right. I know the question. I've, re- I've reworded it in my own mind. Okay, listen. Vladimir Klitschko does not need a tune-up fight or another fight. He doesn't want to take that chance. He doesn't need to take that chance. His heart, his passion, if he should exercise this clause and this right, his sole focus in life, if he's serious, should be only on stepping into the ring with Anthony Joshua and looking at those tapes and looking at his heart and looking what he's got to do to uh, counter whatever Joshua comes at, at him with. And that should be his focus. That should be He's got to have those blinders on. And that's all he sees right now is Anthony Joshua. And that should be his drive, his motivation, and his, uh, his incentive to get back in the ring and show the world that he's capable of beating uh, one of the youngest uh, lions with a heart uh, out there today. You know, I, uh, I agree with you. you know, but to be honest with you, Sal, I mean, he was pretty focused on the, you know, for the first fight. I mean... I, I like I said, you know, if if Vladimir Klitschko fought like that throughout his whole career, I think I think the masses would have a totally different opinion uh, of him. Uh, you know, I I, I want to see the fight. There's there's no question about it. I mean, I would love to see a, a, a fight just like the first one. Um, I just uh, you know because in my opinion, uh, like you said earlier, you know, Vlad's got 25 million reasons why uh, he wants a rematch. But for a guy like him, who dominated the heavyweight division so long, um, I, w- I would think that a, a victory over another relevant fighter um, in the heavyweight division today, another top guy, even even a re- like like I I think for me, the fight that makes the most sense for Vlad, if he wants to continue his career, and that's a big if, is a rematch with Tyson Fury. And then the winner of that fight fighting Anthony Joshua. If they could somehow coordinate that as being part of the rematch clause that he has with Joshua, 
I, I think that that would be a much more valuable fight because, first of all, Vladimir Klitschko would be in a position to say, hey, you know, I, 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 I corrected the last wrong I had. You know, remember something. Vladimir Klitschko, a guy that dominated the heavyweight division for almost a decade, uh, then, he, uh, then he loses his title in a boring fight to Tyson Fury, who becomes technically the linear uh, world heavyweight champion. And, um, you know, then, then all of the, the, the BS that happened with Tyson Fury... And then Vladimir Klitschko gets back in the ring after a long layoff, by the way, and fights a great fight and loses to Anthony Joshua. So technically he's coming off of back-to-back losses. Maybe the rematch with Tyson Fury uh, not only has some value to Vladimir Klitschko, but it certainly has some value to the heavyweight division and the sport of boxing because the winner of that fight, there's no more excuses. I mean, the winner of that fight goes and fights uh, Anthony Joshua and uh, the, the, then ultimately the winner, I, I don't think anybody could make any kind of an argument uh, who the top dog in the heavyweight division is. What's your thoughts? I think that's a good scenario. I, I, I like it and I understand what you're saying. And, and I, I could go along with that one pretty easily because it would be, in his mind, avenging another defeat that he had earlier. Um, and certainly the winner of that fight should fight Anthony Joshua. I could also see uh, Vlad fighting Deontay Wilder. That might not be another uh, a bad way for him to get back in the ring with Joshua. But, you know, the, the bottom line is the contracts have these, these clauses in them for a reason. Uh, and, you know, I, I could see him go directly, you know, to, to Joshua, wanting that rematch. You know, cut the chase, doing this, doing that. Even though he could take the... Let's face it, he's 41. Why should he have another one, two, three fights? When he could just uh, go out and say, "Hey, I tried. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and beat him this time out," and uh, uh, he'll pick up a belt, and uh, and we'll see what happens. If he loses, then you know what? Then we saw the last of Vlad. Uh, but why take two or three fights when you can go directly, exercise that clause, get your money, and and see in your heart of hearts is is this what you really can do? Can you turn that around? This 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 uh, opportunity? Can you come out the victor as the victor? Not the Vlad, the, the victor, uh, if you fight him again. So I think that's what he's processing right now, too. There's a lot. There's a lot, a lot going on up there, you know? I mean, I would love, I would love to see uh, Vladimir Klitschko fight uh, Deontay Wilder. I'd Me like too. to see Deontay Wilder fight any real uh, <laughs> opponent. Uh, you know, it, it looks like he's going to be fighting, according to the WBC's uh, statement the other day about uh, the divisions and championships and everything else. And, and I'll, I will talk to uh, uh, Mauricio about that a little bit later. But it looks like the next fight for Deontay Wilder uh, is Berman Stavern. And, and I, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is I don't want to see that fight. I, you know, Deontay Wilder, it. you know, it, he hasn't fought anybody. It's not fair to the, to the boxing community. And, and I know he's got fans, and his fans are so blind that they think that this guy is so talented. I, you know, he's... He's a great guy personally because of the reasons why he fights. And I truly believe that he believes that he's the best and that he's destroying quality opposition, just like they're trying to convince him of. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is he hasn't fought anyone. As a matter of fact, the toughest guy he's ever fought was Berman Stavern. And Stavern really hasn't, he doesn't have anything on his resume except Chris Ariola. And we all saw what happened to Chris Ariola. So... No, I, if Vladimir Klitschko would fight Deontay Wilder, I would love that too. I, I agree with you there, uh, because uh, 
you know, should Deontay Wilder get past Klitschko? That's a big, that, hey, listen, that's a huge thing for Wilder. Wilder needs one of those signature wins. He needs a big win over a big name fighter who's still relevant to the division and, and you know, the championship picture. You know, Deontay Wilder is saying that he wants to fight Anthony Joshua and then, oh, oh sorry, I'm being forced to fight Stavern. You know, that, that's just part for the cause. That, that's just, you know, the main problem uh, with boxing. But to get back to Vlad for a second, I want to rip out a page of what I think goes through the minds of a lot of the young fans today. And a lot of the young fans today do one simple thing. They look at fighters' records. So when I take a look at Vladimir Klitschko and I take a look at his record and the you know impressive record that he has throughout his whole career, and then all of a sudden, you know, you look at it right now, if you pulled it up and, and you looked at his record, you're going to see back-to-back losses on, on you know, arguably uh, one of the greatest heavyweights uh, in, in modern times. And, you know, if a kid or a young fan, I should say, looks at that record at some point in the future, let's say Vladimir Klitschko decides to say no, no mas, and, and hang up the gloves, which I wouldn't blame him for, they're going to say, oh, look, he lost his last couple of fights. And a lot of all-time greats have done that, Sal. Sugar Ray Robinson, you know, uh, you know Muhammad Ali, uh, Jack Dempsey. Jack Dempsey. You know, I, I mean, uh, that's all, all these, <laughs> that's your answer. All, all these great fighters, you know, ended their career. You know, when Alex and I do the blast from the past, we're always looking at these great, great fighters who ended their career with, with, with losses, and in most cases, multiple losses. And that's when they knew when to hang them up. You know, Vladimir Klitschko has a, changed, a chance to, you know, buck that trend and and possibly end a career on, on a winning note and then retire on his own terms. So, um, you know, a, a big fight, a big win over somebody uh, that's uh, revelant, uh, I think is, is in a bad way. But I have a feeling, in my, you know, opinion, I think Vlad is going to take the rematch. And uh, I, th- I think the fans are going to uh, benefit. What do, you, what do you think real quick? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, the clause was in that contract for a reason. And uh, why not exercise it? You know, he's got everything else uh, uh, to look at. Uh, the ball playing fields being level, you know, hey, makes the most sense. He's going to make another huge payday. Uh, he's going to try to avenge a defeat. And uh, up until the knockout, like I said, it was uh, a pretty close fight. And uh, he's going to feel in his heart of hearts, hey, I could do better. I could do this. I'm not going to make this mistake, that mistake. And that's the fuel he's going to have as fire to get him into shape and to train and go back in the ring with him. Anthony Joshua, on the other hand, is going to say the same thing. Hey, guess what? It took me 11 rounds. I could I could hurt this guy and beat him early. I dropped him in the fifth. He's never going to see the sixth or seventh. So there's a lot there. So you will have the drama, the emotion, the hype. And you will have both sides, you know, coming at each other with why, ifs, ands, and buts, and fists, but buts. And you're going to see uh, a pretty good, exciting rematch uh, being promoted. Now, I hope it could live up to uh, the hype again, but we will see. But I think that's the way he's going to go for a lot of reasons. And one of them is because he also knows he doesn't have that many more fights in him. And the whole thing is this. You know what? He's going to go direct to where the source is, and that right now is Anthony Joshua. Hey, listen, Sal, um, we're going to take a short break here. But when we come back, just to just to finally end the discussion, 
I'm curious to know what you think each fighter could do differently in a rematch in order to get the win. Like you just stated, you know, Anthony Joshua, you know, it it wasn't an easy win for him. You know, what could he do um, better uh, in in a rematch? And obviously, uh, Vladimir Klitschko, while making his decision, uh, he's probably thinking right now what he could do better. So uh, everybody hold that thought. Uh, We're going to take a a short break here. And uh, when we come back, uh, Sal will give us his view on what each fighter could do differently in the rematch. Then I got a Tyson quote, a Mike Tyson quote, about the possible showdown between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. I I love what he says, but more importantly, I I love what he says about himself uh, at the end uh, of this quick interview and it kind of ties into what Sal and I are talking about right now. So uh, don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll talk about all of that in about two. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us and, uh, uh, we're happy to uh, be talking about the possibility of uh, the rematch in a big fight that took place uh, a couple of weeks ago between Vladimir Klitschko and Anthony Joshua. And uh, I'm here with Sal Rocky Senecola. And before we went to break, uh, I said that I wanted to get your thoughts, Sal, on what each fighter could do differently should the rematch be the rematch clause uh, be uh, uh, you know invoked. So, what do you think? First and foremost. What would, uh, what would you think that Vladimir Klitschko could do differently to get the win? I think Vlad could possibly uh, look at those tapes and see, you know, he was successful when he was uh, moving side to side a little bit. I think he moved his head from time to time. And I think he has to establish that jab as being the, the lead right in there to get that, da- that range, that distance. And he's also got to work on throwing more right hands, maybe over the top of that uh, uh, punch of uh, of uh, of uh, Joshua, uh, especially to the left. And I think if he even tries to work on some right leads, uh, maybe faint a little bit with the left and come over with the right, especially when when uh, Joshua sometimes he was dropping that left. I think he's got to look at all these things and conditioning. You know, Vlad was in pretty good shape. I think he should continue to work on his conditioning. Being able to punch in spurts, we know he knows how to tie up. We know he knows how to fight inside a little bit. He's got to watch out for those uppercuts, so he's got to keep those hands in there so he can protect if that uppercut comes. And he's got to just continue to to look at what he would do so he doesn't get hit with those big bombs uh, as far as blocking, as far as countering, as far as delivering those punches, and, of course, conditioning. That's got to be his key. A little head movement, a little side to side, and he might uh, fare, fare well. And uh, what about uh, Anthony Joshua? If you're Anthony Joshua, what do you do differently uh, against Klitschko? 
If I was Anthony Joshua, I'd want to know why I ran out of gas after I, I punched uh, for a minute in the, in the fifth round and why I was almost out of my feet and let my opponent, who I had a 10-8 round and some eyes maybe come back to get at least a 10-9, um, I would work on my conditioning. I would punch in spurts and combinations. You fight like you train, you train like you fight. You you you, you punch in combinations and you you get away, but you got to be relentless and you got to come up with that 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 uh, aerobic anaerobic conditioning in the heart and the lungs and the blood flow and the oxygen and you've got to be able to to recover quickly and uh, and do the sprints not only on the road but on the heavy bag punch 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 a minute take a step back 15 seconds go punch 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 that's how we do it that's how you do it he's got to look at that he's got to also look how to tie up an opponent on the inside and he's got to look how to fight inside too a little bit to the body a little bit to the side here and there and throw those punches inside while you're I use this term jockeying for position. You're tying up an opponent, you're going to jockey for position, boom, to get those shots inside and around the body with using your hands and leverage and, and everything else to get you. That's how we should do it. Um, but definitely, A1A, he's need, he needs to work on that conditioning. And uh, I tell you what, Sal, you, the, the way you were throwing punches right there, you, you kind of look like Canelo, uh, the, way, the way you were going to beat up that microphone. You kind of looked the way Canelo. The microphone resembled uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. just standing there. Keep hitting it's it. You were, there. And it's next right thing you know, we're going to lose your – It's not hitting back. Just, yeah, exactly. That's, I, think that's, I think that microphone is really Canelo Alvarez. I mean, uh, so uh, – I'm sorry, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Yeah, keep, keep messing around with it. Next thing you know, we're going to lose your sound, you know? So uh, – uh, well enough alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe you better leave it. Um, you know, to, to tell you the truth, uh, in, in my opinion, I thought they both fought the right game plan in the first fight. Uh, Klitschko, uh, you know, uncharacteristically of him, he was aggressive. I would do that again if I was Klitschko. I, I think I would let my hands go more. Uh, I think he discovered uh, something about uh, Anthony Joshua, about the uh, – uh, about running out of gas that, that you mentioned, Sal. I, I think that was important because uh, Anthony Joshua did regain uh, his stamina uh, at times. You know, he, he ran out and then, then you know, he reached down and, and come back. Um, and, and I think that, you know, Klitschko's original plan to try and get him into deep waters the later rounds was a good one. And I think that he should try that same, uh, pro, you know, same game plan again, uh, except this time pick a certain round where he just wants to turn it up. In other words, maybe make it a boring fight uh, for the first six rounds, uh, doing what he used to do, you know, pawing his jab and, and not uh, uh, letting his right go, uh, have Anthony Joshua thinking too much, anticipating that right coming at him too much for six rounds. Uh, maybe uh, it tires uh, Anthony Joshua out mentally uh, as well as physically. And then Vladimir Klitschko coming on real strong, uh, from rounds, uh, you know, seven through twelve, and, and try and stop Joshua. I, I think Ant, I think Klitschko's game plan, uh, if he fights uh, Anthony Joshua in a rematch, would be one hundred percent to try to stop him. Uh, I, I know that sounds stupid, but the truth of the matter is, is how many times you hear a fighter say, "We're not going for the knockout," but if the knockout comes, that we're, we're, you know, we're, we're glad we're yeah, going to be doing things. Yeah, we're going to be doing things to to get the knockout, but. You know, we're not going in there going for the knockout. And, and that, that's a good answer because when a lot of fighters just go for the knockout, they, be go, they, they become headhunters. And what you see 
is them lunging and, and, and chasing around a fighter. And they may win on aggressiveness and landing some shots, but a lot of times they don't get the knockout. The, the most recent fight that comes to mind there is David Lemieux uh, with uh, Marco uh, Reyes. I mean, uh, uh, you know, that's exactly what, what he was doing. So, so if I'm uh, Klitschko, I, I, I kind of buck that trend a little bit, uh, go on the defensive, uh, go in the cautious mode for the first six or seven rounds, then totally go uh, balls to the wall and go for the knockout and, and hope that you can catch Joshua because some of Joshua's inability to hold and, uh, you know, know what to do when he was hurt, uh, I think that Klitschko should capitalize. Now, as far as Anthony Joshua's concerned, I would do the same thing except kind of reverse. I would go for the knockout for Klitschko. He does not like to get hit. You get him on his back foot. And I would be extremely aggressive, uh, even though it kind of plays into Klitschko's game plan that I just told you that I would do. If I'm Anthony Joshua, I go for an early knockout. Catch Klitschko while he's uh, uh, you know, trying to set something up. Uh, we saw that when Anthony Joshua did uh, go aggressively after Klitschko, uh, he did stun him. He did rock him. Except this time, uh, respect the fact that he's going to get up again. Uh, stop raising your hands. Uh, and and I agree with you, Sal. Uh, a conditioning program where he's you know uh, going all out for for three minutes and 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 recouping in the in the rest period. I, I think would be the smartest way. And just like you mentioned, you know, working a heavy bag for three minutes straight nonstop is the best. Uh, way to, uh, to to try and condition himself, which I think most fighters do anyway. So, I don't know. I mean, uh, we can analyze it all day long, but uh, that's what I would think. Any uh, final thoughts? Yes, and, and you reminded me, yes. You know, definitely with that heavy bag, he can punch for like a minute at a time, take maybe a 15-second, take a breath, and then go back in. You, you train intervals on that bag too. Now, what I will definitely make a point of saying um, – and Klitschko's got to keep in mind, when I saw the look on Anthony Joshua's face as he came out for that fifth round, he was like a locomotive, a raging bull. He said in his mind, enough of this, I'm ending it right now. He charged and he went aggressively after Klitschko. And Klitschko's got to be ready for that. And he wasn't ready for that. That's when he got caught and he got dropped. And you know what? Anthony Josh was going to know that that was his early success. So he's going to try and rerun that play and uh, do that more. So I think uh, Klitschko's got to be prepared for a charging Joshua who's going to be coming out aggressively. And he's got to be like the matador in there with the bull. Just learn how to uh, grab him, tie him up, don't give enough room to punch, or make sure that he's slipping and, and getting away. And let Klitschko, uh, I mean, let uh, Joshua possibly punch himself out if that's the trend that might be exhibited in that fight but i'll tell you what in that fifth round when joshua came out i thought it was going to be lights out he came out with a mission he came out saying this fight's going to be over right now and that's what uh joshua's got to try to repeat and that's what klitschko's got to try to defend i thought the play you were going to call for was the old uh, hook and ladder or something when you said you got to run that play i figured oh maybe <laughs> Maybe Sal's going to mention the hook and ladder. I don't know. But uh, uh, anyway, Mike Tyson was in the news uh, again uh, recently. And uh, this time uh, uh, he was asked uh, you know, about the you know much talked about possible showdown between uh, uh, UFC star Conor McGregor and, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather. And, you know, it's interesting to hear what he said. Now, just to get everybody caught up on that, 
I'm sure you heard, even people that don't follow any sports have heard about it. People ask me it all the time. I, I, I get nauseous when I think about it. Um, you know, the, Dana White is, uh, came out and said that uh, because they announced the Triple G against Canelo fight, uh, that, uh, uh, you know, they were planning on using that date, which, which we all thought. I mean, September, uh, you know, on uh, Mexican Independence Day, Floyd Mayweather had uh, made a statement several years back that he took over the Mexican holidays uh, he wanted a fight on those days, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I thought that that was in the back of their mind. Uh, but uh, but the, but the facts are the facts. Floyd Mayweather is forty nine and zero, and technically he's retired. Um, you know, for him to come and and, and win a fiftieth fight and, and break Marciano's record and retire, which is incidentally is a BS record that all you young fans think exist anyway. Because that was only uh, important for the heavyweight division. And there was many, many fighters. And all you got to do, uh, if you're watching or listening uh, somewhere and you're in a different chat room, come on over to our chat room on BillyCBoxing.com and uh, you'll see many uh, fights. Like my man Coach is always putting in fighters who uh, started their career well beyond 50-0. and 0. Uh, The difference is they didn't retire. And they ended up retiring with a couple of losses or whatever. And that... Uh, uh, negates the uh, the record but nonetheless my hang-up with the fight is that should an athletic commission specifically the nevada state athletic commission approve this fight i think that uh there should be some ramifications and the reason why is because at the end of the day what we have is you have a 49 and 0 you can bet your last dollar first ballot hall of famer in floyd may with a fight in a pro debut fighter uh, yes, he's a, a UFC guy. Yes, he's uh, you know one of the best UFC fighters, MMA. Uh, but the fact is a fact is he's never boxed. He's he's a pro debuter, so that is an in, it, you know a whole situation in, in, in just to begin with. Now, if it was an exhibition fight, which means it didn't count on Floyd Mayweather's uh, official boxing record, I have no problem with it. That's something that I would welcome and I'd help promote. I, I would buy it. I'd be the first guy to, to spend my money on it. But to have it count as a record, uh, you know, as a 50th win in boxing uh, bothers me big time. But Mike Tyson was asked about it. And, um, you know, I, he said this. this. This is a quote from Mike Tyson. He said, if Mayweather boxes McGregor, the fight will be total garbage. He says, but... If Floyd Mayweather goes to the UFC and fights under the UFC rules, now that would be interesting. He said, I want to see an MM fighter. I, I, he says, I want to see an MMA fighter fight a boxer, not an MMA fighter box a boxer. And um, he says, uh, anyway, he goes on to say, in a boxing ring, McGregor is outmatched by Mayweather. It won't even be fair. McGregor is a colorful guy, but I'd much prefer to see where he's at in a match with UFC rules, referring to uh, Mayweather. And I agree with Mike Tyson. I said this uh, a long time ago. Now, if Floyd Mayweather did that, how could you not respect him? I mean, uh, here's a guy in, in Floyd Mayweather who made a career out of moving and hitting on the move and, and in my opinion, running. Uh, a lot of people call it footwork. I call it track work uh, you know running he never stands in the pocket and if he would go in the cage and fight a guy like conor mcgregor under ufc rules now that would be interesting 
Uh, but if not, which we assume, Sal, that uh, all the uh, stars will be aligned in uh, Floyd Mayweather's favor, then it has to be an exhibition. It cannot. It cannot. And if anybody from the Nevada State Athletic Commission is watching or listening, you cannot approve this as an official uh, professional fight. It, it's just, it, it's not right. And it will set that commission back a long way. Uh, what's your thoughts on Tyson's comments and uh, the fight itself? Well, it's pretty much what we said. I, I said here first weeks ago, and uh, we made a point. I said the there is no world-sanctioning body or government, I mean, or, or, or state-sanctioning body that would be in their right mind to approve and to sanction this kind of fight. And that's when I said a couple of weeks ago, I said the only way they could sanction a fight like this is if Floyd Mayweather crossed over and fought under the MMA rules and went on uh, to Conor McGregor's side and, and, and that turf. And uh, that's the only way. That's the only way. Um, and that's the only way I would look at that fight being being a, a good fight, an entertaining fight, or as you said or suggested, maybe just an exhibition. But no way in the world should this fight ever be sanctioned as a uh, as a championship or as a real professional boxing match uh, against a, f- a MMA fighter who's not had one pro fight going in against uh, self-proclaimed best ever. Uh, who's going to be 50-0 and 0 when he enters the ring and underneath the uh, Queen, uh, Marcus of Queensbury rules now. Uh, moving on to some other uh, boxing news, Sal. Uh, Artur Biederbeev, a lot of people think uh, he's one of, if not the best uh, light heavyweight in the world today. He does not have a world title, but who cares? But uh, the way all these titles are given out, like, uh, like we said, they're like participation trophies in kids' t-ball games. <laughs> um, but... Uh, He's went public uh, with the fact that he wants to break ties with his promoter, uh, Yvonne Michel, who's uh, uh, the main guy of uh, GYM, uh, the promotional company out of Canada. And he actually uh, not only uh, has his lawyer uh, finding a way to uh, get out of the contract, uh, but he actually posted an uh, open letter to all the fans. And, and I got what it says. It says, uh, my dear friends and fans and supporters... As many of you have already heard, my lawyer has filed uh, a demand for declaratory judgment asking the Supreme Court in Montreal uh, to confirm, the Superior Court in Montreal, to confirm that my promotional agreement with Group Yvonne Michel, which is GYM, uh, is effectively terminated and has expired. I have nothing personal against Yvonne Michel, and everything is fine on my end. I keep training hard to get back in the ring and become a world champion as soon as possible. That has always been and will always be my sole focus and my goal in my professional career. Uh, thank you for your support. Um, you know, I, my feelings, we, we've talked about this. This was a topic once before, uh, Sal, and my feelings are, are simple. If you sign a contract with someone, you're obligated to fulfill the terms of that contract. With that said, if Artur Biederbeev indeed has fulfilled the terms of his contract, well, then I agree with him 100%. It's time to, to walk away. If he has not, then you got to uh, do what you got to do. Now, a lot of these contracts, just so people know, a lot of these contracts are written with verbiage similar to something like this. It'll say the contract uh, uh, is for, uh, let's say, for argument's sake, three years and uh, at which time uh, the, uh, the contract is automatically renewed 
for a series of one-year deals. Uh, so let's say they have an initial uh, promoter boxer contract for three years. At the end of the third year, another one-year contract automatically kicks in, followed by another one-year contract that automatically kicks in, et cetera, et cetera. And they can, you know, a lot of times they'll do up to, to five more years. So really the fighter is thinking he's under contract for three years and he's actually uh, under for eight. But the stipulation there, and the reason why it's legal, is it says that the fighter, and, and I'm not saying that this is what their contract says, I'm just saying typically this right. is a common uh, procedure. It says that uh, the, the verbiage would be something like the, the, the contract is for three years, uh, at, at which time if the fighter writes, you know, uh, terminates that, that, that kick-in, that extra year in writing. You see, this is where the gray area is. The fighters don't read that part. And that's why they should always have an attorney or someone that's familiar with contracts read the contract and understand the twisty lawyer lingo verbiage. If they don't, within a certain amount of time, generally it's 30 days uh, prior to the expiration. So prior to the expiration of the contract, if they don't write in writing and send it certified in all these other ways um, that says that they do not want uh, that next contract to kick in, they're stuck. And uh, if this is the case, then, you know, how many times can a fighter cry, I didn't know, I didn't know. You know, I mean, what do you think, Sal? <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, they've got to have attorneys read these contracts to the fighters and explain the hitches and the catches and the and the wiggle room and uh, have them understand. I mean, it's a, it's a bilateral contract and the things, you know, you enter under an agreement and, um, you know, but the agreement should be understood by both parties. And usually it's the manager's uh, attorneys that draw up these contracts and, you know, give them to the fighter. And if the fighter doesn't take the time necessary to digest it and uh, understand it fully, then, you know, shame on him. You know, that, that's what he, he should do on his end. It's his obligation. It's his commitment. You know, a fighter can't be told what to do and, and just look at oh, his whole life uh, not understanding and looking for excuses. He's got to understand what he's doing. No and doubt. He's got to get legal counsel or do whatever he needs to do to understand a contract. And then if it's all signed, sealed, delivered, T's are, T's are crossed, the I's are dotted, and guess what? Man, you got to go to bed with it, man. That's that, that's what you did. The prize was worth the price to sign it, and uh, the prize should be worth the price to fulfill it. You know, it's not just boxing. It's all sports. No. These guys uh, sign a contract, and then the egos get in the way. They, you know, they're. I say I use the analogy all the time. You know, you, you got a, a football player, let's say, you know, NFL football for all my European viewers, and um, you know they sign a five-year deal, X amount of money. Two years into the deal, a guy playing right next to them, uh, virtually the same position, uh, signs a five-year deal worth more. And now the 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 first guy, you know, he's butthurt. You know, he uh, he wants to redo his contract. I'm holding out. I wanted to redo my contract. I, there's no way that you know so and so is making more money than me. And, and the truth of the matter is, well, you know, uh, you signed a deal. You got three more years on your contract. Well, boxing's no different. You know, uh, right. a lot of promoters and and you know, listen, don't get me wrong. You know, uh, some boxers are definitely taken advantage of. But the truth of the matter is, is a lot of times the, the promoter and and it's evident today with the fact that 
promoters just coddle uh, their fighters. They overprotect them. But who do you think's paying for these, you know, punching bags that they bring in to, to have the, the fighters beat up on? It, it, the promoter. So in a sense, they're investing and building a fighter's record up to get those big money fights, the big paydays. And it's almost not fair to, to be with a fighter, uh, for a fighter to be with a promoter, let's say, for three or four years and, and have this promoter build them up to just before a world championship fight and, uh, you know, have that fighter say, see you later, and, and, and the promoter never gets the money back. And, and that's why you see these guys being fed prematurely because, you know, maybe the contract's coming to an end. Maybe there's rumors that the, the fighter wants to split. I mean, we all heard it. Uh, with Chris Algieri complaining about Joe DeGuardia. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I agreed with Chris Algieri's complaint. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, you know, that's typically what happens, Sal. Well, you know, it's so funny because I'm reminiscing right now. And, you know, years and years ago, you know, we had up in New Jersey in, uh, in McAfee, the McAfee Mountains, you had Great Gorge Vernon Valley Ski Resort. Great place. Grew up skiing there all the time. Then they changed it to the Playboy Resort. Then it finally evolved, and it was uh, Hugh Hefner, uh, Playboy Resort for a while. Then they changed it to the Americana Great Gorge Resort. At that time, Lou Duva, the late Lou Duva, and main events, they turned that place for a training camp playground. It was fantastic. Let me tell you something. We had, we had our rings out in the lobby. We had game rooms for the fighter. We had... We had a, a Vinny Pazienza and I shared a room. I can tell you stories about that, and uh, and we uh, we were we were housed there for weeks. We ate the food there for weeks. We uh, we ran the golf course, the perimeter. We trained in front of all the guests, uh, sparring. The Roberto Duran was there. We'd spar Duran, Pazienza, this one, that one. It was great. It was great. And guess what? The promoter paid for that. Where do you think it came from? So I mean. It didn't come out of my pocket. I thought I was on a training vacation for weeks at a time. We stayed in these hotel rooms. We ate all the food there, and we had the luxury of training there and everything else. So, yes, the promoter does have to recoup. He's investing in his fighters. He's investing in some future uh, uh, revenue. And uh, so you just reminded me of that. Uh, that yeah, but you know, uh, you should you should have read the fine print in your contract, Sal, because I got news for you. Uh, a lot of times when promoters, they lay out that money. And as soon well, as uh, saying, as soon yeah. as the fight happens, they're getting it back first. You know, so so before you get the check, you know, you might say the promoter says, here, sign this uh, contract, Sal, Rocky Zanicola. You're making uh, 10 grand on this fight. And really, you made 20 grand, but he took the 10 off the top and he put it on his paperwork as training expenses. You know, so but the truth of the matter is, that's right, is uh, no, that, that's 100 percent right. But but the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, it. it is a promoter supposed to pay for that anyway? I mean, I, you know, a lot of times you'll see fighters uh, absorb the training costs and, and they'll tell you that, you know, when a guy gets a, a big uh, uh, purse, you know, money right off the top is going to training. It's going to trainers. It's going to now they got nutritionists and, and all this stuff, you know. So uh, anyway, Sal, listen, we're going to take uh, a short break. And we are scheduled to get Mauricio Suleiman uh, on the phone from the WBC. Uh, and we will chat with him about several, uh, several things. And then we'll come back to Sal. Uh, and then uh, hopefully we'll have some time uh, even to get uh, Dax Khan uh, on the phone. Uh, he had some things to, uh, to tell us. 
so hopefully uh, we got that. Now, just as a programming note, so everybody knows, we're not doing a live show tomorrow, uh, but we will be back uh, on Monday, uh, better than ever. Uh, so uh, make sure you uh, come back for that. And, and don't forget, also, if you're watching or listening uh, through Evander, uh, I'm sorry, through Holyfield Television. I keep saying Evander. Every time I think of Holyfield, I think of Evander. <laughs> but Holyfield TV, if you're watching us on the Holyfield Television Network, drop us an email. I'm curious to uh, get to know you guys that are uh, uh, now watching us on uh, Holyfield TV. So drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G. Dot com. So, Sal, uh, we will uh, be coming back to you in a little bit. And uh, until then, we'll see you later, my man. You got it, buddy. I'll talk to you in a little while. Thank All right. Sal, uh, Sal should be back uh, in about uh, a half uh, uh, hour or so. But uh, without further ado, I'm going to take a short break. And uh, hopefully we can uh, get this uh, uh, interview with uh, Mauricio Suleiman. If not, we're going to be calling Sal right back. So hopefully, Sal, don't go too far because uh, we'll have to uh, uh, get you uh, back uh, on the phone uh, here in a minute. So uh, in any event, uh, don't go anywhere. Uh, we should be back, uh, I'd say, uh, in two minutes or so. So uh, we'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Join us here for two hours. As Billy and the gang do what they do best. Every time I start talking about boxing, a white man got to pull Rocky Marciano out his Rocky Marciano was good, but compared to Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano is Joe Lewis's ass. Joe Lewis was 75 years old when he fought. What? We're supposed to be talking boxing. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Have you heard? Proactive Plus is faster and better than ever. Stay tuned for a million bottle giveaway and you'll also receive free shipping. Do you have troubled skin? Acne? Well, we have great news. With Proactive Plus, your acne can heal and you can help prevent new breakouts from happening. Don't miss this limited time offer. Give us a call at 800-567-0214 because we're going to let a million people try Proactive Plus risk-free and get two free gifts and also receive free shipping when you call right now. You heard it. This offer won't last long. So call Proactive Plus now and you'll receive a 60-day risk-free trial of Proactive Plus, two free extras, and free shipping. Call 800-567-0214. This is our exclusive radio offer, never on TV. Get your risk-free 60-day trial of Proactive Plus with free shipping. That's right, free shipping. Don't wait. Call 800-567-0214. That's 800-567-0214. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, don't forget about getting a copy of my book, uh, Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy right now while you're watching or listening to this show by visiting uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you want to get a signed copy, just visit our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click the book. You can't miss it. It's all over the website. Well, joining us right now, 
uh, is the uh, president of the WBC. Uh, please welcome Mauricio Suleiman. Good morning, Mauricio. Hello, good morning. How are you? Not too bad. I, I just want to thank you for taking the time, Mauricio. Uh, I know it's early in Mexico, and uh, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show uh, for us today. And uh, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on a few things. First and foremost, um, we were talking uh, a couple weeks ago about uh, women's boxing and the argument about uh, two minutes versus three minutes. And I know you guys had some uh, a pretty, uh, pretty strong feelings about that. Could you give us uh, a reasons why you feel that women's boxing should only be uh, two minutes? Because several female fighters that I've spoken to and, and worked with in the past, a lot of times they, they all want that three-minute round. So, so what's, what's up with that? Well, it is basically... Uh, everything based on medical and safety. We have uh, supported women's boxing in a very strong way. We have promoted two world conventions, and we have had a UCLA specialist uh, talk to the fighters who attend those conventions and explain that there is a physiological difference between man and woman. There's different matters in the neck, there's an 80% uh, probability higher for women to get a concussion, and there's strong data and facts uh, that state the difference between female athletes and male athletes, and, uh, you know, boxing is not a game, it's not a, you don't play boxing, you don't score uh, runs or, or baskets or goals, here, it's a real contact sport. And whenever there's higher risk, we are here to uh, take care of our athletes. They should fight and we should uh, administer and look out for the safety of the fighters. So in other sports like basketball, you have a smaller ball, uh, the three-point line shorter, etc., etc. But boxing... It, it is proven that uh, the lower the risk, the, the safer for the athlete. With female boxing, you make an interesting point about um, uh, women being more susceptible to a brain injury versus uh, men uh, as, a, as a, you know, a good reason to, to limit their rounds to two minutes. But as a result of limiting the rounds to two minutes, what a lot of times what we get in, in female boxing is a lot more action in those two minutes. I mean, they, they, they feel that they don't have as much time to establish a, a game plan or, or whatever. However, you know, some fighters want to, you know, start around a little slow, feel out, and then uh, kick it into a, another gear. And, and a lot of times with female boxing, you know, the, the bell rings and, and they're right at each other. Uh, with that in mind, I mean, wouldn't wouldn't the safety issue kind of be thrown out the window? Well, the action is is a fact. You you get uh, very exciting fights, uh, but there's a formula that uh, it's very simple, which addresses the three minutes versus the two minutes, and the ten rounds versus the twelve rounds. If you put fatigue and you add dehydration, and then you add a strong punch, that all adds up to a very high possible 
injury. So the more you, the more time you fight, the more time you get dehydrated, the more you get fatigued, and with a combination with a punch, that is very dangerous. So what I'm trying to say, this is not a popularity contest. Uh, if, if female fighters want to fight three rounds and boxing commissions allow it, then that's their problem. We are here to prevent. You know, athletes, they don't care. Uh, male boxers would fight 15 or 20 or 30 rounds. They are warriors. So it is up to the organizations and to the boxing people to create the rules and to protect the integrity of the athletes. So uh, um, are, are, if, a, if a local boxing commission said that they would allow a three-minute round uh, for a female uh, contest, would the WBC still support that, or would you say, no, well, any fight that we're going to you know, put one of our belts on the line or whatever, uh, you, you would not support? We will not sanction any bout that is scheduled for three minutes until there's uh, hard data, medical data, that prove our theory and our facts and our studies wrong. And I don't see... Uh, any compromise against safety. So I don't think uh, that the WC will ever sanction a three-minute round uh, fight because it, low, it, it creates a much higher risk for the athlete, for the fighter. Um, moving on to, to just with that in mind, uh, with the safety of the fighters and stuff, you know, one of the things that I've tried to talk to the ABC about. As a matter of fact, I, I came up with a, a whole plan and presented it to them. And uh, one of the reasons they, uh, well, the truth of the matter is the reason they, they were like, oh, it's a great idea, Bill, but, you know, who pays for it was, was uh, and I'm curious to know what you would think about this. You know, we, we every, a lot of reputable boxing commissions here in the States um, require, um, you know, different sets of medicals uh, for the fighters to allow uh, a fight to take place. And, and, you know, we're talking men and women now. Not, so we're, we're, we're past the women's uh, uh, discussion. But uh, a lot of the bigger commissions like uh, my home state of New York and New Jersey and Las Vegas, uh, or I should say Nevada, uh, require head scans. And my argument about a head scan, Mauricio, is, is that doctors, and obviously uh, with uh, the studies that you've uh, uh, told us uh, moments ago that you've uh, done for women's boxing. I'm sure you've done many for, for men's as well, uh, especially with the 12 uh, round versus 15. And, and my argument with the head scan is that a lot of times a doctor may not have a, a, a scan to compare it to. So in other words, they go by what a textbook scan should look like of a head. And, and your scan of your brain might look different than mine. I mean, and, but that's normal to you or mine's normal to me. My idea was to have, before a fighter was given a, uh, a, a professional, you know, before they turned pro, uh, here we, we issue what they call a federal ID card. So before they were able to get a federal ID, my, my idea was to have all fighters undergo a head scan so that doctors could have that on record. So that when and if down the road they, uh, were, you know, sustained a knockout, or, or even a, a savage beating and a loss, and e even if they didn't get knocked out, that a doctor could 
you know, logically and, and with some education, look at two scans and see if there were any differences from the, you know, one that we would call a normal scan prior to the, the professional boxing career and then the one after the knockout or after a hellacious beating or whatever. What's your thoughts on that idea? You, you're absolutely correct. There's no baseline information, so there's nothing to compare with. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the WBC's uh, uh, most uh, play, how can I explain? Our intervention comes in championship fights. But we do a lot of work that has to do with boxing overall since amateur, four-rounder, six-rounder, eight-rounder. And what you're saying is, is the key of the problems in boxing. From one state to the other, there's different medical requirements. So that alone throws out any major uh, situation that could help boxing, just as you say with the MRIs and the scans, to get a, a national database of, of uh, information. Then comes the legalities that uh, the patient has the privilege of not sharing the information, blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is, uh, I think uh, what you mentioned is a major proposal that should be addressed one way or another. In, and it could start, some states uh, could start with the funding. There's, there's a lot of uh, difference between Nevada and uh, a smaller state that has little boxing. And they should start in a way to to monitor and to create the database of the fighters, but there is no entity to centralize the information. That is a problem. Well, you know, one, one of the th when, when I talked to uh, uh, the ABC uh, back when, you know, I first uh, came up with the idea, and I actually, uh, Larry Hazard, who, who comes on this show on a regular basis, I, I threw the idea at him first, and he loved it and uh, made the suggestion for me to uh, approach the ABC. The argument was, they loved the idea, but they said, hey, Bill, you know, who's going to pay for it? You know, and the, and the concern was was the financial uh, problem. And, and, you know, what 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 kind of ticked me off, Mauricio, was the fact that they act like they're there. And I'm referring to the ABC. They act like they're there to protect the fighter. But as soon as the dollar figure comes in, uh, it becomes an issue. And I thought that there was an easy remedy for this. And the remedy would be let the promoter pay for it, but have the fighter you know, be in a position where he sign a, some type of a contract with the promoter. So it's actually helping both guys. It's helping the promoter uh, build a, a, a stable of fighters that, that he has under a contract, and it's helping the young fighter uh, become a, a professional. I mean, do you, do you think I'm off on that, or do you think that something like that could work? Well, it could work. Uh, many fighters begin their career without a promoter. That's a right, but I mean, in but, this, uh, not to interrupt you, but I mean, in this case, they kind of benefit by starting a career with one. You know, if a if a promoter sees a young, uh, potential talented fighter, and they would have to, you know, uh, lay out the cost of a uh, of the MRI or CAT scan, whichever uh, one they choose. I mean, it, it's kind of a two way street, right? Of course, you know, in in the WBC, we require a yearly MRI. So, but, but that is, what I'm saying, the championship level. 
unfortunately, uh, it, it comes up to the commission or the fighter and to the city, to the state, and to the country. We have 165 countries affiliated, and each one has different uh, jurisdictions and different uh, ways of monitoring the sport. But I think uh, your proposal could be something that should be taken up and worked with. I'm going to go to the ABC convention this year, and uh, I would like to see if we can create a team task a task team to look into this and, and start making, even if it's small steps, to go to, uh, to the possibility of making this happen. Yeah, I think that it would give the, uh, the doctors a, a more, uh, you know, an easier way to, to, to determine if there's a problem, especially when they reach the championship level. And uh, Mike Mazzulli, who's uh, ahead of the uh, ABC, uh, you know, I, I know he liked the idea, but it became... Uh, a money issue but uh anyway another uh topic i wanted to ask you about uh was in my opinion mauricio boxing needs uh unity and you know of course i know you're partial of course for the wbc and we have other sanctioning bodies and what have you and the issue that we're always uh stumbling across is unified uh champions um what's your stand on that i i i know like right now we we were uh all treated to a fantastic heavyweight fight a couple of weeks ago between uh, Anthony Joshua of England and, and Vladimir Klitschko. And, you know, everybody's talking about the possibility of a rematch or, or really the big fight that everybody wants to see is, is your heavyweight champion, Deontay Wilder, uh, fight Anthony Joshua. I mean, uh, I could see it be great for the sport. But now, according to your uh, championships update, it, it looks like uh, Deontay Wilder uh, has a mandatory in uh, Bermain's Verne. And once again, that, that kind of puts the unification on the back burner. Do you feel that that unified champions, there's, there's room to, to kind of satisfy your mandatories and unified champions? Well, it's a, we have always been pro-unity. And you are absolutely right. The problem in, in the sport is uh, promoters not working with other promoters, television networks not working with other television networks, and organizations not working with other organizations. The issue, there are some uh, rules that have to be respected. And we have done everything in the past, whenever there's a situation, to try to adjust and to generate the big fights. Uh, in this specific case, uh, Wilder is a very active champion. He has usually fight four times per year. Uh, unfortunately, he had a, a fight canceled due to a doping uh, in Russia. Then he injured his arm. So the mandatory fight for that division has been delayed for a couple of years. Uh, when when the WBC ordered uh, the fight between Wilder and Steven was early in the year. We're two or three months away from the big fight, Joshua Klitschko. Unfortunately, the fight has not happened, but in time, there's absolutely time to, to arrange to do the unification bout. They are talking about a rematch. So, it is not easy to just sit down and speculate what the other party is going to do 
when you have rules and and activity to follow. So, in the ideal world, Wilder is going to do his mandatory, and then he's going to be ready to do any unification. And uh, of course, Joshua and Klitschko might do a rematch, or by the time he's either uh, Joshua is ready to fight, it's going to be several months away from now. So, in, in times, everything is. Uh, possible to to arrange a unification to happen this year. You know, back in in you know, I'm, I'm going to use the term back in the day, uh, which you know, depending upon how old people are, they could they could think that uh, 1999 <laughs> was back in the day. But um, the truth of the matter is, is the the rule that we used to follow was, you know, a, a young fighter fought in the amateurs, then they turned pro and they worked their way to becoming a prospect then the next step would be a contender. Then they climbed the contention ranks, you know, starting out, let's say, you know, a high number and, and got all the way into the top 10 and, until they ultimately earned a shot at, at the champion. And that's pretty much how things went. But just like what you just said, because of promoters and their inability or lack of uh, interest in working with other promoters or television networks, et cetera, et cetera, you know, what we're getting now across the board is much less fights uh, during uh, a calendar year, during a year uh, that we used to have uh, back uh, years ago. And some people could make the argument that it was due to safety reasons and stuff like that, which is actually not true because back uh, years and years ago, fighters used to fight much more frequently, but they didn't spar as much. Today, fighters are having wars in the gym that aren't being counted, and, and the medical uh, repercussions from that could be more serious than if they were fighting those same types of opponents uh, in the ring. With that said, do you think that, that promoters are kind of ruining these, these contenders? I mean, I know that when you guys, I was involved with a, a sanctioning body myself for a while, and I know that when uh, um, you know, we would look at a potential uh, matchup, you know, first thing we have to do is find out, oh, are you willing to take the fight? And then you go to the next highest available contender, and, and it's like your hands are tied. You know, do you think that there should be a way where, you know, fighters have to fight the guy? I mean, they have to work their way up. I mean, a, a number eight guy has to fight a number six guy, and then when he wins that, he gets a shot at, an, at the number one guy. I mean, it, if you could, would you make that uh, be the way it had to be for the WBC? Yeah. The, the issue here is, uh, you know, boxing is a very different sport from others. In in many other sports, like uh, in football, in baseball, basketball, they have the leagues, and the leagues control the business side of the sport. Like the NFL, they control everything. And so they sell the franchises to the teams and so on. In boxing, it's all independent promoter. So there is no uh, reciprocity. There is no, uh, not even a code of ethics to abide with. And there are so many options. If they go to the WBC and the WBC says, no, you have to do this way, they easily go to another organization and make it happen. So the quality of uh, the champions, and the quality of the challenges has been going down because it gets diluted as there are so many options to go other places. And uh, it is a different uh, sport as you knew it when when you say 
uh, the old times or the good old times. You know, I, and and Mauricio, that's the problem with the sport. Exactly what you just said. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, I think most people understand that the sanctioning bodies are are a business. I mean, you make your revenue streams mostly from sanctioning fees, et cetera, et cetera, and you can only pick from the pool you have. But I, you know, I know you. The WBC is is regarded as you know the most coveted belt. I mean, most of the fighters always uh, say that. And you guys have been revolutionary with uh, some of your programs, like vo- like your clean boxing program. Uh, you use, you lose, which I which I I love, and I was glad you guys did that. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, at some point you got to draw you got to draw the line in the sand, and and you know, with all the uh, money that you guys have invested in promoting what you do with the WBC to the fighters and to the promoters, you would think that the value of having uh, one belt versus another would entice the fighters to, to fall within the, the, the rules of the sanctioning body, not the other way around, where a fighter would say, well, hey, uh, you know, Mauricio and the WBC is not going to let us fight this cupcake, so we're going to go to another sanctioning body and fight the same guy and, and walk away with a title. And, and you're right, it dilutes it. So I, I was saying on a show earlier in the week that, you know, nowadays – it's like giving everybody a title, you know, it's, you know, back in the day when, when one person had a title, there was no doubt that that person was a champion. Now uh, you you actually dilute the value of a, of a world title. Well, let me give you an example. Uh, and it's a hot example. A few years ago, uh, the middleweight division, uh, Gennady Golovkin was a mandatory to Sergio Martinez, then to Miguel Cotto, then to Canelo. And uh, they kept putting putting him aside. And when the WC ordered uh, Canelo after Amir Khan to fight Triple G, he simply gave up the belt. So Golovkin becomes the WC champion and moves on. Canelo moves on, and, and now they're going to fight finally in September. So that's a perfect example. They, they they have options, the fighters and the promoters. And uh, I, I am absolutely confident, and I, I feel very comfortable. The WBC is a dream of every fighter. And the WBC is a non-profit organization, so we're not a business. Every single dollar that comes into the WBC goes back to boxing. We have a clean boxing program. We're doing a lot of amateur boxing because the amateur platform in many countries has been ruined. We do uh, so many social uh, activities with the WBC Cares, etc., etc. So we just keep working. We move forward. I have uh, met with the WBA and with the IBF in the past. Uh, we offered to create a, a championship tournament and then have only one champion. And that champion be controlled by four organizations. But it's not easy to make it happen. There's a goodwill, but then when you get to the to the activity, it gets difficult. But uh, I feel confident this this has been a great year in boxing, and we just have to keep uh, working and look for unity. What you say is the key. If there's unity, if there's goodwill, then the great fights uh, will happen. 
You know, I, just to give you my thoughts real quick, I, I agreed with your decision with the Canelo and Triple G situation. It was pretty clear. I know uh, Canelo came out and uh, was being negative towards uh, uh, your organization about uh, just giving the belt to, to, to Triple G, and that obviously wasn't the case. Uh, the fighters uh, had, a, had, you know, uh, avoided Triple G. Uh, so I, I thought you did the right thing in, in that case, and uh, we're all looking forward to the to the final showdown. But but one last question. I, I know you're busy, and uh, I have one last question for you. You know, talking about uh, all the sanctioning bodies, or at least the the, the top four, uh, getting together and uh, working on some kind of a a unified uh, champion, so to speak. It, it, you know, not to get into it now, but it would be something I would love to talk to you about off air. But a couple of years ago, I developed a, and, and this goes back to something you said earlier um, about you were using for uh, like leagues, you know, uh, the success of uh, National Football League or baseball, basketball, even even uh, the UFC for MMA. And the, the fact that the leagues are, are able to control a lot of these you know, things that we're discussing that is, you know, kind of separate from one com here in the States anyway, one commission to another or one sanctioning body to another. If, if I came up with an idea of to be able to form a league that really would not interfere with the four major sanctioning bodies champions or their uh, ability to um, you know, make sanctioning fees or, or obtain sanctioning fees or however you want to use the verbiage and, and still end up with, with a champion. If, if something like that was presented and, you know, the, the financial ramifications uh, were all positive for everyone involved and at the end of the day, you would end up with still maintaining your own world champion plus having, uh, uh, you know, a unified champion and at the same time, increasing the amount of professional boxing that there would be in order to, to do this, would you be supportive of something like that? Absolutely, yes. Uh, I believe boxing needs uh, a, a different structure and to refresh the way the competition is held. Uh, I love to see tournaments. I love to see... Uh, to be able to follow uh, one fighter's career, you know, when uh, like brackets and, and eliminations and then move up. And I think your idea is very good. Uh, there have been similar proposals in the past. Uh, unfortunately, being so many different promoters, uh, having the different fighters, it is difficult to, to have them all agree. One example, uh, the Super Six that happened several years ago in Super Middleweight. That was a, a very good concept, but then it took too long, and, and some fighters started falling out. But at the end, you had uh, Andre Ward come up and become a star. So there's many ways where things can be done that create interest, and uh, I'm hopeful that some promoters can catch up to your idea and create something. Yeah, my, my, my the idea that I have would, would be uh, you'd end up with, uh, uh, you know, a unified champion, uh, basically a champion like they do in other sports every year. 
And um, I, I think that it, it would force promoters to, to work with each other. And, and you know, the, the most important thing would, would be the support of, you know, um, sanctioning bodies like yourself, the four majors. We, we need four, you know. So um, someday I'll, I'll talk to you about that and, uh, and maybe, uh, maybe we could get the ball rolling because I agree with you. Uh, you know, you being kind of not using the word, but I'll use it, uh, the greed factor. And, and the promoters are, are uh, greedy and uh, what they're actually doing. And, and the networks are to blame, too, because somewhere along the line, they have devalued a fighter just because they lose. So what they do is they end up putting these fighters in um, terrible fights with, that are one-sided showcases. And, and, you know, you have fighters pounding their chest saying, uh, they're the best, and and that's uh, honestly no disrespect to you or the WBC. That that's my uh, opinion of Deontay Wilder. Although I think he means well, he's yet to fight. Uh, you know, somebody that's a major fighter in the division, and it's not his fault. You know, it's the promoter's fault. It's the network's fault. It's the timing. It's all these things we've discussed today. And I think if we could somehow curb that. I think this sport, I mean, I, you know, me being a, a historian and loving the old uh, uh, fighters and stuff, I, I will admit this, today's fighters are much more athletic. And I think if they fought um, as frequently uh, as they did yesteryear, I, I think that we could be treated uh, to a sport that could uh, be as popular as it was uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And it all starts with the fighters and, and the promoters and the networks. And I, and I think we could all make it work, Mauricio. I agree. I like it. I like it. And uh, there has to be a starting point. And uh, let's start moving. I mean, even if it's in one division. I, I, I'm going to... Your, your input has uh, motivated me again. You know, three years ago, we met with the WBA and the idea. And uh, the WBA would not want to go to the meetings. And then everything sort of just uh, uh, slowly came to a slow stop. But uh, we need to get unity. We need to get out and, and start making some ideas, get uh, egos out of the window, get greed out of the window, and, and present some program that can work uh, to make boxing exciting. Well, Mauricio, I appreciate your time, and uh, hopefully you can uh, come back and uh, uh, join us sometime in the future. Uh, if you uh, keep us posted with uh, any news on the WBC, and we certainly will give you a platform to discuss it here on this show. And uh, I would uh, like to set up a time we can chat off air, and I got some ideas that uh, you may like and you may not, but uh, we can uh, definitely chat about that in the future. Excellent. I deeply appreciate it. It's been an honor, and... Uh... I'll be very happy to participate in, in, in this great program. Well, I appreciate your time, my man, and uh, we hope to talk to you soon. Excellent. Thank you. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. That was uh, Mauricio Suleiman, uh, president of the WBC, giving us his thoughts and uh, some great ones, too. I was really glad that uh, he took the time and, and chatted with us, and uh, I think he brought uh, several things to light. And uh, hopefully we can uh, get him back on uh, in the near future. Hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. And when I come back, Sal will be back with me. And uh, we can talk about uh, some other stuff going on. And we got some time uh, to get uh, my man Dax Khan on the phone. 
So uh, we'll be back uh, in about, uh, I don't know, what do you think? Two minutes? That's what I think. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, we just, uh, in case you missed it and you're just tuning in late, we just uh, had a a pretty decent uh, interview with with WBC President Mauricio Suleiman. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll get him back. Uh, to continue uh, our discussion. And uh, joining me again is uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Sal, I-, I know you had a chance to uh, listen to it. I mean, he seemed, uh, whether, he was, whether he was telling us stories or not, he seemed, uh, you know, genuine. And he seemed like uh, he does want similar stuff. You know, I mean, I was a little surprised. I thought that he would, you know, it kind of started out, you know, when he was saying, oh, the data, the data. And I, and I, I didn't really want to say, yeah, what kind of day? Prove it to me. You know, I, I didn't want to t- turn it into that. But no, um, I, I was uh, I was uh, pleasantly surprised uh, uh, of how uh, receptive he was uh, to certain things. And, and I was especially surprised at him saying that some of the questions have rejuvenated him to go ahead, which I thought was good, man. I was, what was your thoughts real quick? Let me tell you, that was stellar. Billy, it was fantastic. You 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 asked the important questions. Uh, he did not uh, dance around any answers. Uh, definitely uh, a respectful conversation, an informative one, and I thought it was well laid out and well uh, well established. I'll tell you, my hat's off to you. Great. And great job by him. I, I, I have respect for him. He uh, definitely, like I said, unless he's doing one of the uh, – one of the Michael Corleone and Fredo's. You're telling me all the right answers, but not the ones I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. He, he uh, I'd like to hear him again. I think you definitely left that pathway open and uh, being respectful. So congratulations, Bill. That was fantastic. Well, I mean, I don't need any congratulations. I, I was just glad no, that I, he, I, I, he, I was just glad that he, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, took the time to, to talk to us. I mean, yes. I was a little nervous because it was an international call and, and we tried to get him on uh, Skype. Um, but, uh, I, you know, it was uh, uh, it was it was hard, you know, because I wanted I wanted him to um, try and, uh, uh, you know, try and come on. Uh, and so we could see him. But he was having some difficulty and um, as a result, I, I had to do it through the phone, which uh, which wasn't as good. But uh, in any event, um, what uh, what I, I wanted to do right now is uh, uh, get uh, get you guys caught up on some um, scores, other sports scores. Uh, and uh, over in the NBA, uh, we had the uh, playoffs. The Celtics uh, beat the uh, Wizards one twenty three to one oh one. Uh, Boston uh, takes a, a three to game, a three to two game uh, series lead in that uh, playoff series. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Over in the NHL, the Penguins beat the Capitals two to nothing to win that series. 
uh, four games to three. And uh, also in the NHL, the Ducks, quack, quack, uh, they beat the Oilers two to one. Uh, and uh, they, too, won that series uh, four games to three. Now, in Major League Baseball, the Mariners beat the Phillies 11 to six. The Giants beat the Mets six to five. Uh, let me just tell you about this Met game real quick. Um, I was watching the game yesterday afternoon, and the Mets were winning the game three to one in the top of the ninth. The top of the ninth, three games to one. And within about 15 minutes, the score was six to three in favor of the San Francisco Giants. The bottom fell out on uh, Familia, and uh, Terry Collins showed that he's not a good manager despite the success of the team. He never knows when to pull pitchers. Uh, and uh, as a result, the Mets, and, uh, to their credit, they ended up uh, scoring a couple of runs in the bottom of the ninth. But they fell short to the Giants, six to five. The Astros beat the Braves four to two. The Rockies over the Cubs three to nothing. The A's over the Angels three to one. Cardinals over the Marlins seven five. The Nationals and the uh, Baltimore Orioles. What a slugfest that was! That was that was a battle. Uh, the Nationals came out on top seven to six. The Blue Jays over the Indians eight seven. Rays uh, over the Royals twelve to one. The Rangers uh, beat the uh, uh, Padres four to three. Uh, the Brewers over the Red Sox seven to four, and the Diamondbacks uh, over the Tigers uh, seven to one. Uh, the Dodgers they beat the Pirates five to two. Now the Twins and White Sox game uh, that was uh, postponed, but uh, we're going to get Dax on the phone right here. But I want to give him a chance to get his video up, Sal. I mean, uh, what's wrong with him? You know, uh, uh, I uh, can't hear you. But uh, as soon as Dax uh, gets uh, uh, his video up, we'll give him one more chance with that. But before. Uh, he does that. Uh, I got a question for you, Sal. Uh, oh, there's there's Dax's smiling face. So let, let's go to let's go to them now because I do have an email that actually I want to read to both of you. But uh, Dax is with us now. Oh, you finally remembered to hit the video button, huh, Dax? I, I do it every time. <laughs> well, I was trying. Hopefully, Sal. I was hoping Sal would take the lead and say, "Yo, I'm sick of seeing your uh, your still shot here." I know you guys talk when I have you muted. I, I heard, you know, through I the grapevine, you you're talking. Uh, uh, you're both calling me a, a what, what was it? Uh, a uh, what did you say Easy. before? Easy. Uh, no, uh, uh, sodium. You know, you don't want to hear Bill's sodium. You know, his bull sodium. You know, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, hey, before before we uh, before I, I come to a really interesting uh, email and a question that uh, I'm going to pose to both of you guys, uh, Dax, uh, you had some uh, quick news you wanted to fill us in on uh, around social media. But before you do that, what'd you think of the uh, Suleiman uh, interview? Do you think he was as sincere as I thought he was? Yes, I've I've said that in the past that you know I really believe that. You know, since he took over for his father, he's made a lot of positive changes. And I do believe that he really does have the best interest of the sport in his heart. And I also believe that it was a good thing that he came in. And even before uh, Don Suleiman passed away, I really think Mauricio should have took the reins because he has a more modern idea to, to the sport. Uh, there's a few things that I do disagree with, such as his comments with the females and because of safety. 
I mean, let's be honest, you know, in uh, those two-minute rounds, sometimes those females in one round throw more punches than even <laughs> the elite guys throw in three three-minute rounds. I know, and, 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 and it's funny you say that because I, I said just that in a nice way. You know, I was just like, well, you know, two minutes, you're forcing them. I mean, if it's a safety issue, you're forcing them to throw way more punches than they may have in three, you know. So, uh, but uh, anyway, I think, uh, I think we've opened up the doors to uh, have him come back on, but uh, real quickly, because I got an email that I want to get your thoughts on. It's a really good one, guys. But uh, uh, what do you have for us uh, that you wanted to uh, tell us about uh, some comments and social media happenings? Well, the question now is, and that was something also, you know, with Mauricio Suleiman on, and I was speaking to uh, some fans yesterday. You know, the question here is, why is the WBC title should, and I still am not totally convinced, should the uh, Canelo versus Triple G fight happen after, and you alluded to that, after everything Canelo said about the WBC and his taking the Miguel Cotto route, where he states that the WBC isn't going to tell him who to fight, he fights who he wants to fight. So what happens should Canelo win and he gets that WBC? title and then all of a sudden you know he decides he's not going to uh, defend it against a top 10 guy or a mandatory and you know then now all of a sudden the division is put inside of a uh, chaos and even though people have wanted the triple g versus canelo fight for a long time it almost kind of seems detrimental now in a lot of people's opinions you know uh coming up in a week or two um hassan Endam is going to fight uh ryota maruda for the uh, wba regular middleweight title which used to be held by daniel jacobs before he fought triple g would it be better off for the sport as in general to kind of get rid of and get rid of the taste like we that is developed in mouths after uh, events like the uh, Canelo versus Chavez Jr. event for uh, Triple G to face a guy like an Endam or a uh, Murata, guys who will actually go out there and make good fights and that are willing to sit there and defend the title against whoever is uh, you know the top name out there because it really seems that the sport is losing a lot of steam. We've spoke off air about how much more attention that the Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko fight got worldwide compared to the Canelo versus Chavez Jr. fight. Even uh, today, right now, I think uh, Josh Warrington and Kiko Martinez, they have their final press conference going on for their upcoming fight this weekend, which for a minor title. The crowd there, when I was looking at the live footage, is something that you would see here. It's even bigger than it was for the Canelo and Chavez Jr. event. You know, Deontay Wilder goes over across the uh, the ocean there for the uh, Vladimir Klitschko and AJ fight. He talks about fighting Tony Bello. He talks about wanting to fight Anthony Joshua. And down out, all of a sudden, he's fighting Berman Stavern. You know, what what's going on here? You know, really, um, this kind of seems here that if this keeps up at this pace, a lot of people believe that, you know, boxing is going to, within another year or two, is going to be at the lowest it's ever been. Well, <clears throat> here's the thing. I, I think... Uh, well, I feel, and, and I also think that Jose, I mean, Jose, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, rest in peace, Don Jose uh, Suleiman. But uh, Mauricio Suleiman, um, he, he, he hit it on the head. And, and he certainly didn't pull any punches when he said that the problem isn't the fighters. It's the promoters' lack of interest in working with each other and, and the networks. And that is the case here. And I think that if... if and I know that the league idea that I have developed, and I did that, Dax, you and I talked about that. I did this several years ago, you know. I think if they did it, it would actually, and I, there's no other better choice of words to use, but bully the promoters and the networks into following suit, and that's what we need. But uh, anyway, guys, we're, we're, we're running out of time, and Sal, 
and uh, Dax, I wanted to get your thoughts. I got a great email uh, from my man Chase, and he, he asked this question, and it's a simple one, but I don't think it's ever been asked to us before, and, and it's one of these dream matchups, and check this one out. Uh, he says, hey, Billy C. and Sal, uh, who would you take in a fight, a prime Sugar Shane Mosley or a prime Manny Pacquiao? Could you imagine the fireworks in that one? You know, it got me thinking. And I said to myself, man, you know, I, it, it, Sugar Shane Mosley as a lightweight, who is one of the best. I mean, I, listen, I loved Sugar Shane Mosley uh, when he was in uh, a lightweight and, and junior welterweight divisions. Uh, you know, when he started moving up, uh, you know, and getting older and stuff, obviously the excitement level wasn't there. But um, as a lightweight, you know, and fighting Manny Pacquiao as a lightweight. Uh, man, that's a tough decision for me to pick a, a winner. Uh, uh, Sal, you first. Uh, wh what do you think of, about a potential matchup at, at lightweight? Let's uh, let's stay in lightweight. Yeah, let's stay at lightweight. Uh, of course, I, in, in my mind, uh, there's no, there would be no greater lightweight uh, in the history of lightweight division than Roberto Duran as a lightweight. And I could debate that one, but uh, between these two warriors, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. That's a that's a that's a hard one to really bite down, and and I would would have loved to have seen that one, but uh, uh, I would probably have to pick Pacquiao. What do you think, Dax? I'd have to pick Manny as well, even though Shane Mosley was at his best as a lightweight. I just actually had a similar uh, debate with somebody uh, with Floyd Mayweather and Shane Mosley at, at that weight. And um, But the reason why I would go with Manny Pacquiao, and I would use the version of Manny Pacquiao who fought a Ricky Hatton. Shane Mosley, when he was a lightweight, you know, he, he had power, but he didn't have one-punch knockout power. He had a lot of combination punching. But you know something? Shane Mosley wasn't really fleet-footed. He didn't, you know, move around uh, the ring a lot. And I would see Manny Pacquiao continuously turning him, and he would go underneath those combinations. And, you know, when you see what a Manny Pacquiao did to a guy like a Ricky Hatton, who, of course, you know, didn't have the speed of a Shane Mosley or like what he did to an Oscar De La Hoya, despite Oscar De La Hoya being past his best, I think, you know, Shane Mosley, who used to, uh, you know, pick his spots when he let his flurries out, Manny Pacquiao would make him work harder than he would have to, than he ever worked in the past, and Shane Mosley used to have to be set to let his combinations go, and Manny would just keep turning him and turning him and turning him. Shane Mosley was never a guy who would bully you into the ropes. He wasn't a strong inside fighter like that, and that's the type of fighter you'd have to beat to beat that version of Manny Pacquiao. You see, guys, I, I, I guess, uh, uh, you know, we, we're talking lightweight. So when, when I look at Manny Pacquiao, you know, and, and again, you guys know I hate to, to say this, but, um, you know, he was still developing uh, at those smaller weights. You know, he, he came into his own, I think, really at junior welterweight, even though I, I thought that he was a great lightweight. And some of the things he picked up, uh, you know, I think he utilized his, his attributes a lot better. Um, I think his his style of darting in and darting out and throwing punches uh, from all those crazy angles uh, came a little later. And and I agree with you, like his performance against Ricky Hatton and stuff, but remember that that was at junior welterweight. Uh, at lightweight, Sugar Shane Mosley, although he didn't have a, a lot of uh, footwork, uh, he was extremely fast and accurate 
and uh, I, I think that uh, I think that his accuracy and counterpunching ability might have gotten the best of Manny. But uh, great email from uh, from Chase uh, really uh, really got me thinking uh, on that one, guys. But uh, hey, listen, Dax, I, I got you for about another minute. Uh, did you have any uh, social media stuff that you wanted to, to say real quick? I, I know we're uh, we're running out of time here, real quick. And again, it all pretty much has stemmed back to what's going on with Deontay Wilder and Berman Stavern after the video was released of Berman Stavern yesterday uh, stating that, you know, Deontay Wilder has to fight him because he's mandatory. There'll be no other way around it. People, uh, you know, with Anthony Joshua and Vladimir Klitschko fight have become totally disgusted, and it's really set the heavyweight division back. All the progress they've made over the last two years, you know, it's it set it back. It's uh, been greatly set back, and I'm surprised believe it or not, that even though it's a fight that people have wanted for a long time, the uh, the talk of uh, Triple G versus Canelo has been so very minimal. It's been mentioned a few times. There was uh, uh, some sites that put it out there for that first day, but right now, you know, fans are uh, really uh, concentrating more on the guys that are actually doing something now, and they're not looking too much into the future, which tells me more or less that, you know, the fans are saying, you know what, we want something now. We don't want anything later. Well, well, Listen, you heard it from uh, Jose, uh, I said it again, Mauricio Suleiman himself. And he said uh, that he would not be opposed to uh, a a, a unification fight with uh, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. But he kind of did not use Stavern as the stumbling block. He used more of the situation of the possibility of a rematch uh, between... Uh, Klitschko and Anthony Joshua. I think if Vladimir Klitschko made his decision like quickly over the next several days, I, I think they could reach an agreement. Remember, Stavern may want a shot at a title, but he's still going to get a shot at somebody. And if he's able to get some step-aside money and knowing that Don King is his promoter, uh, I think that uh, that would make uh, make some sense and make a few dollars too. But uh, anyway, yes, fell- it could happen. Um, you know, one thing... And we spoke about this before. What I like about Suleiman is, you know, in the past, he's spoken out against catchweights. Uh, another thing he's always stressed, you know, that's something with the promoters and the fighters. The only thing that I can enforce in the sanctioning body is that if it's a junior middleweight fight, it has to take place between 148 and 154 pounds. Other than that, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, uh, people were talking in the chat room and Sal even himself had mentioned something about, uh, you know, like the old prize fighting days. You know, can it be where uh, the winner takes the lion's share? Or, uh, you know, you know that happens right now. And, again, that's something that those happens with the promoters. We see all the time that it becomes a stumbling block where one guy wants 75% of the purse, the other guy wants only 25% of the purse. And it's only the promoters that are uh, putting this in a way. So, um, you know, Mauricio Suleiman was dead on right there. It's the promoters that are hurting things more than the sanctioning bodies. No doubt. Outside of hey. the uh, continuous development of these imaginary belts. Hey, no doubt, Dax. But listen, we got to let you go. Uh, I got uh, to take, uh, uh, we got to wrap it up here. Uh, we got uh, some time restraints. So uh, we will uh, look forward to you on Monday, my man. So uh, I appreciate the uh, insight. So uh, here, my, my one thought, though, uh, about uh, um, uh, the whole issue with uh, what uh, what Dax was just saying about um, the uh, uh, the fights and and Suleiman and and so on and so forth. Uh, as far as the Triple G, uh, to be honest with you, I think people have gotten they've grown tired of, of Triple G, and uh, I don't think he's as big as a draw uh, as he thinks he is. And um, to be honest with you, 
I think that the lack of uh, interest uh, that Dax uh, talked about, Sal, I, I think uh, could very well be true. And uh, I think it's Canelo's uh, fault. And, and one thing that came out, and I know we're uh, out of time here, but one thing that came out was that Canelo in the contract uh, has the ability for a rematch, but if he wins, he doesn't have to. And Triple G wow. uh, uh, assigned that. So uh, uh, kind of crazy, don't you think? Yes and no. It could be uh, also a sign of confidence that Triple G is not going to be giving up these belts and lose this fight. Well, I mean, uh, I, this is true, but I just the, the thought of I know the uh, the yeah, just no the, the thought of of the contract the stipulation yes. in the contract is just not fair. But anyway, it's time for our trivia question, and right. uh, of course Sal's going to give you uh, his thoughts on it. So I got a couple of hints for you because you guys are stumped now. I'm, I'm still waiting for. You know, the guy who cried the most uh, about the trivia question, I won't mention his name, but his initials are Kevin, and he happens to be in the chat room right now. But uh, the uh, <laughs> yeah. the trivia question today uh, is, uh, which world champion lost the most title fights? Which world champion lost the most title fights? Now, here's uh, a hint for you. Of this total, which I'm not going to give you yet, uh, but of this total, he fought two guys twice each so four of these fights that this particular individual lost title fights were against two fighters so he fought two of the guys twice each uh obviously losing to both of them if you're the first one to uh give me the correct answer by emailing me billy at talking boxing t-a-l-k-i-n-b-o-x-i-n-g.com you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Now, Sal, can you help them out? Do you know, with the two hints I just gave you, that this particular guy who lost the most, of which world champion who lost the most title fights, and he fought, the big hint is two of these guys, he fought twice each. So four of these fights were uh, against two guys. Sal, can you can you answer this correctly? question correctly what's your what's your thoughts um uh, is it jack dempsey no sal it's not jack dempsey okay uh but uh nope sal couldn't get it right for you guys so uh, if you're the first one to get it right email me billy at talking boxing who was uh which former world champion lost the most total title fights and two of these guys, he fought twice each. So four of the total number is against two fighters. Email me the correct answer, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. And no, Sal, it was not Jack Dempsey. On this day, May 11th in uh, 1936, P.D. Sarin wins a 15-round decision over Freddie Miller to win the NBA World Featherweight title, and that took place in Washington, D.C. On this day in 1988, uh, Kokor Galaxy wins a 12-round decision over Wilfredo Vasquez to win the WBA World Bantamweight title, took place in Bangkok. On this day in the year 1900, Dax Khan was born. Oh, no, no, no. James Jeffries knocks out James Corbett in the 23rd round of a scheduled 25-round fight. Uh, which wow. was a world heavyweight title fight. Jeffrey retired, uh, retains his world heavyweight title and improves to 14-0 and 0 with a couple of draws, and the fight took place in Coney Island. 
1981 on this day, Jerry Cooney knocks out Kenny Norton in the very first round to improve to 25-0 in their heavyweight fight at Madison Square Garden. And on this day, May 11th in 1848, Tom Cribb, who is considered the first world heavyweight champion when he was when uh, uh, he defeated uh, Tom Molino in December of 1810, died on this day in England. He was 68 years old. Uh, or 66, uh, they uh, have him recorded as two, but Tom Cribb died on this day in 1848. That concludes our show for today. Uh, make sure, we are not doing a live show tomorrow, but make sure you tune in uh, Monday morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.